Hey everybody, and welcome back to the True Men of Faith podcast. I'm, uh, it's me, Jacob Wynn, and I'm here with Dylan Daniel and Zachariah Sparks, <laughs> or uh, Sparky as I like to call him sometimes. Um, Sparky? Everybody call him Sparky. He loves being called Sparky. Sparkplug. Can Sparky. we just start with the chair first? I would really like to tell podcasters what happened with the chair. Oh. Uh, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> you want to. So... Zach was sitting in the pastor's chair in the office, and he gets up, and one of the handles on the chair breaks off. So he and me, or myself and I, or whatever you want to call it. I was here earlier that day. This was after the last podcast that was released. I was here, but I was cleaning up and cleaning the church, so I was doing the work for the Lord. Oh, I just want to point that out. I was cleaning the church while Zach was breaking down the pastor's chair while he's out sick. Yeah, he was in quarantine with COVID at the same time. So Okay, so I got up, right? You know, you got to envision me. I, I'm a chunky man, if you don't know me. I'm a hefty guy. So I'm getting up, and I'm pushing on the arm of this chair just to sort of move it, and the arm goes crank. And shatters. I said, oh, no. <laughs> so, it, uh, I got to buy another chair still. Please tell them what you went to the dollar store to buy. I went for wood glue. They didn't have wood glue. I was in a rush. Had My wife's family had a little thing. What was what was that? Labor Day. Yeah, Labor Day. We was enjoying the Labor Day, the fruits of our labor, as the Bible. But anyways, I go and I buy a hot glue gun because it said wood. Apparently, there's a difference between popsicle sticks and arm of chairs, but... Neither. What's even worse is the fact that he was going, can we fix it just enough so the pastor breaks it? <laughs> you ain't got to tell him Oh, that was one of the best parts. I was, I'd tell him after he broke it, but it was just to the point where the initial shock of it being broke was gone enough to be like, hey, I broke this. I tried to fix it, but I failed. I love you. So now I'm sitting in the pastor's chair, and I hope I don't break the other side. Next month's Pastor Appreciation Month, October's, a, ain't that the, yeah. Yeah. So I'm, uh, at, what a better gift. <laughs> I hate this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> All right, so today's topic, what is it, Brother Zach? Well, actually, Brother Jacob is the one with the topic. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get past all the way around. Yeah. So... I come across uh, an article, I guess it was earlier this past week, and to me it was just, it was very fascinating. Um, I sent it to these two. They both seemed to like it. Uh, so basically, um, they said, oh, you're leading this, uh, you're leading the podcast today, so when you, you need a topic. And uh, this is like immediately one of the things that my mind went to. And... I love it because even though the author, uh, he, uh, his name is Christopher R. Moore from the University of South Carolina, um, I'm assuming, well, because of he's in academia, it seems like a lot of um, college campuses, especially professors and those who are in academia, right. are totally against the Bible. It's like they, they, they believe it couldn't, it couldn't possibly happen. Their, their worldview is way off left way off to the left it's just you know it's it's, it's almost mind-boggling how uh, how messed up they are and they have all the credentials of being highly edu- uh, educated individuals 
so in this article and some of the excerpts and stuff that'll be read from it, um, to the listeners out there, just note that it is for written from someone who has a non-biblical worldview. Right. And um, but to me, when I read it, I'm just thinking, hey, that's just more proof. <laughs> you know, that's just proof that the Bible is right, which I think is awesome. And it's kind of a a, a backstory. It's just kind of lay a foundation. Um, you know, we all know the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, and how it was destroyed, um, the story of Lot, um, just a, a very wicked city, and um, you know the Lord give Lot a extended an opportunity, and for him to escape the devastation and the destruction of those city because they were so wicked, and uh, so that was just kind of a, a short base layer, and this article. It's uh, from a, a website called The Conversation, and it's titled, A Giant Space Rock Demolished an Ancient City, Ancient Middle Eastern City, and Everyone in It Possibly Inspiring the Biblical Story of Sodom. Hmm. Which, as we all know, it didn't inspire it. This event actually happened, and it was pinned down, uh, inspired by God to be written, written down in the, in the Bible. Right. So, um, just an introduction to this. As the inhabitants of an ancient Middle Eastern city now called Tal el Hammam, I totally butchered that probably, but went about their daily business one day about 3,600 years ago. They had no idea an unseen icy space rock was spinning toward them at about 38,000 miles per hour. Flashing through the atmosphere, the rock exploded in a massive fireball about 2.5 miles above the ground. The blast was, about a, was around 100,000 times more powerful than the Hiroshima atomic bomb. The shock city dwellers who stared at it were blinded instantly. Air temperatures ro- uh, rapidly rose above 3,600 degrees Fahrenheit. Clothing and wood immediately burst into flames. Swords, spears, mud bricks, and pottery began to melt. Almost immediately, the entire city was on fire. Some seconds later, a massive shock wave smashed into the city. Moving at about 740 miles per hour, it was more powerful than the worst tornado ever recorded. The deadly winds ripped through the city, demolishing every building. They sheared off the top 40 feet of the four-story palace and blew the jumbled debris into the next valley. None of the 8,000 people or any animals within the city survived. Their bodies were torn, torn apart and their bones blasted into small fragments. So, uh, just a total devastation, total destruction. Um, and the Bible says... Um, when he's talking about that, you know, you read that he called that fire fell from heaven. Mm-hmm. Well, 38, let's see what we'll, we'll go back. 3,600 degrees Fahrenheit. So, <laughs> what more can you say? Yeah. Fire fell from heaven. And if, if if the science is correct on this, you know, obviously they they can't be definite. Because, you know, this is so many thousands of years ago when, you know, science, uh, even though they say trust the science, science can be very fickle and you can't um, believe it 100%. Yeah. But even so, if this was really, if this was true, then to me, I'm just thinking, hey, that proves it. That proves it. Yeah. That proves the Bible is right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it says, uh, about a minute later, uh, 14 miles to the west of Tal el Haman. Winds from the blast hit the biblical city of Jericho. 
Jericho's walls came tumbling down and the city burned to the ground. Um, it said that, uh, just kind of skipping through a few things here, um, it said getting answers required nearly 15 years of painstaking excavations by hundreds of people. It involved detailed analysis of excavated material by more than two dozen scientists in 10 states in the U.S. as well as Canada and the Czech Republic. When our group finally published the evidence recently in the journal Scientific Reports, the 21 co-authors, including archaeologists, geologists, geochemists, geomorphologists, mineralogists, paleobotanists, sedimentologists, and cosmic impact experts and medical doctors. So... <laughs> that was a tongueful. Or that was a mouthful. Um, years ago, when archaeologists looked at over excavations of the ruined city, they could see a dark, roughly five foot thick, jumbled layer of charcoal, ash, melted mud, mud bricks, and melted pottery. It was obvious that an intense firestorm had destroyed this city long ago. This dark band came to be called the destruction layer. No one was exactly sure what had happened, but that layer wasn't caused by a volcano, earthquake, or uh, warfare. None of them were capable of melting metal, mud bricks, and pottery. Um, it also says, I'm, I'm totally, I'm just skipping through this, um, reading little excerpts and stuff from it. Um, at the same site, they also found... Um, there were finely fractured sand grains called shot quartz that are only formed at 725,000 pounds per square inch of pressure of 5 gigapascals. Imagine six 68-ton Abrams military tanks stacked on your thumb. Mm. The destruction layer also contains tiny diamonds that, as the name indicates, are as hard as diamonds. Or diamondoids, that is, the, aim, uh, the name indicates, are as hard as diamonds. Each one is smaller than a flu virus. It appears that wood, plant, wood and plants in the area were instantly turned into this diamond-like milk material by the fireballs, high pressures, and temperatures. Experiments with laboratory furnaces showed that the bubble pottery and the mud bricks at Tal El Hamam liquefied at temperatures above 2,700 degrees Fahrenheit. That's hot enough to melt an automobile within minutes. So, when I'm seeing this, and I'm reading this, I'm saying... I'm saying when God wants to destroy something, there is no escaping it whatsoever. Nope. I mean, this, this, just the amount, the, the magnitude of this destruction and this intense pressure and heat is just, it's, it's mind boggling, really. Yeah. The destruction layer also contains tiny balls of melted material smaller than airborne dust particles called spherefuls. They are made of vaporized iron and sand that melted at about 2,800 degrees Fahrenheit. In addition, the surfaces of the pottery and melt, melt glass are speckled with tiny melted metallic grains, including iridium, with a melting point of 4,433 degrees Fahrenheit, uh, platinum that melts at 3,215 degrees Fahrenheit, and zirconium silicate at 2,800 degrees Fahrenheit. The, together, all this evidence shows that temperatures in the city arose higher than those of volcanoes, warfare, and normal city fires. The only natural process left is the cosmic impact. Now, they're totally blaming this on cosmic activity, you know, uh, asteroid, whatever. Once again, uh, I firmly believe it was God had prepared total destruction for Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, he, he wanted to destroy it, and 
I mean, eradicate it, just yeah. completely do away with it. Um, they ask uh, later on in the article, a little bit further down there, this is kind of a long article, and I, I know I'm going on, I'm reading, trying to keep it short for the sake of time, uh, but this is just, this was just totally fascinated me. Uh, and the, it is possible that an oral description of the city's destruction may have been handed down for generations until it was recorded as the story of biblical Sodom. The Bible describes the devastation of an urban city near the Dead Sea. Stones and fire fell from the sky. More than one city was destroyed. Thick smoke rose from the fires, and city inhabitants were killed. Could this be an ancient eyewitness account? If so, the destruction of Tal el-Haman may be the second oldest destruction of a human settlement by a cosmic impact event after the village of Abu Huraya in Syria about 12,800 years ago. Importantly, it may be the first written record of a catastrophic event. So I, I'm kind of going to come to bring it to an end there. Uh, there's a little bit more, but uh, I have to say when I see this, it's not, uh, you know, they say it could have been handed down for generations and then inspired, you know, the biblical, um, the right, you know, the, the biblical story of Sodom and Gomorrah. I personally... And I, I believe our listeners don't believe that. You know, I believe it was uh, it was the wrath of God pouring down on the city for their wickedness. Mm-hmm. You know, if you do a study of Sodom and Gomorrah, just uh, what was one of the most common sins that were there? Homosexuality. That was the that was the big one. Fornication. Exactly. They were married and giving in marriages. I mean, just total wickedness. And I don't I don't think my my uh, mere words could describe how wicked this city truly was. And that was something that that kind of pointed out that that I noticed in this article is they don't talk about what type of city. No. They don't mention what type of city Sodom and Gomorrah was. Mm-hmm. That that is not mentioned at all. You know, they're just blaming it on a like a freak accident from a cosmic activity. Yeah, the planets aligned. The planets <laughs> aligned basically. It's yeah. just a freak accident. You know. No, I don't believe that. Yeah. I don't believe that for a minute. Uh, yeah. Something else that's really interesting in this article, and I'm sure we could probably put a link for the article into it. In oh, yeah, our, absolutely. On the yeah. podcast here. And it also says, you know, that area, of course, was a deserty area. Right. And they got minimum rainfall. It said with everything that happened, there was a good chance that it couldn't be inhabited for over 600 years. Um, in the article, it says because the salt from the Dead Sea would be spread across the valley. Yeah. And where they didn't get much <laughs> rain there, that salt basically ruined all chance of crops for 600 years. And so take it in the biblical context, God just didn't destroy the city for right then and there, let somebody come and rebuild. He's He basically made a statement, this isn't going to be tolerated. Right. You know, he washed it out, he cleaned it out, and he left it empty for 600 years if this little article is correct. Right. And that's what amazes me, you know, in the day and age we live in, we're a modern day Sodom and Gomorrah. I believe with my whole heart, right. homosexuality is raging like never before. Fornication is raging. I mean, by, it's just... You walk, you drive down. We've been working in Lexington. You drive on campus, oh, and, and it, you can't. I can look over, and five out of ten, I can't tell you what gender they are half the time. Yeah, it's bad. And and that's what kind of world we're. And that's in little Lexington. I think in Lexington, Kentucky. You know, Kentucky's not even one of the bigger states. We're a red state technically. Yeah. Uh, we voted red in the in the presidential election. We've been red for a long time. Um, so I mean, just imagine what Los Angeles probably looks like. I ain't never yeah. been. Um, or Vegas, Las Vegas. Yeah, Sin New City. York. Who, who mm-hmm. in the world? 
in their right mind as a Christian wants to go to a place named Sin City. The new name. And they make jokes scary. about what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, and yeah. what they're meaning by that is what kind of wickedness that you do, you commit in Vegas. Yeah, that's why it yeah. stays there. It doesn't come anywhere else. You know. Yeah, and it's sad because I mean, this city. And I don't mean to take over. And I was reading this as was going along. Yeah. I read it before, but it really just stuck out with me. Six hundred years that was unable to be inhabited because of the destruction that was left behind. Yeah. And us as Americans, every day, walk amongst probably the same wickedness. Yeah. Um, well, the Bible says there's no new thing under the sun. Yep. So. Yep. And I mean, the world's eventually going to be destroyed again. We know that. Yeah. We read that. Um, but, I mean, it just, it blows my 600 years Yeah. that that wickedness caused that area to be wiped out. I mean, the surrounding cities were wiped, wiped out crops-wise. I mean, everybody had to vacate uh, I mean, you think what I think about it too is that was just the destruction of one city, and you you know you, I read the the description and, and how intense it was that the destruction that it done some of the the way it turned the landscape and how it changed the landscape. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was for one or that you know, that was for two well yeah two cities right yeah Sodom and Gomorrah, Sodom and Gomorrah. yeah uh, so that was two cities. We live in a world that is rapidly running towards sin. I mean, it's every day. It's what, how much sin can we commit oh, in 24 hours? Yeah, it's, it's... How do we think that we're going to escape and just imagine the destruction that's coming to this world? Oh, it, and it's sad. I mean, homosexuality is entering the churches. I mean, right. It's entering the churches. It is in the churches. There, there's, a, there's gay churches in our state. Gay churches. Yeah. There's a church in Berea that has the gay pride flag on their sign. Yeah. Um, and we come to find out we did our engagement pictures in the front of that church, beautiful church. And we walked over to the sign, and there it was. Well, bam! I said, oh, no. <laughs> but, I mean, we're in a day and age. It's a modern Sodom and Gomorrah. I've heard it preached before and never really took it into context as much as I am now. Driving down the road, I mean, you just see so much wickedness. You know, working on the job site, you hear so much wickedness. You, do. Yeah. you know, nothing's private anymore, mm-hmm. nothing's sacred anymore. No, I mean nobody cares. No, no. And that's how Sodom and Gomorrah was. They couldn't. What was it? They couldn't find ten. Right. Yeah. Couldn't find ten. He said he wouldn't destroy it for ten, and ten could not be found. Mm-hmm. I mean ten. I mean that's nothing. There's three of us in this room. Yeah. We got nine followers. Mm-hmm. Well, we're probably three of those. I mean, <laughs> we're at nine. I mean that's nine just within a small little podcast. Right. Yeah. And. It just blows my mind that, that there was that much wickedness in those two cities. Makes you stop and think how much grace that God has for us. Oh, well, that, that's something else, too. He could destroy it in a matter of minutes. How much he loves his people, that he would spare the lives of many yeah. if just ten. I mean, just ten. Mm-hmm. It's a, you never know. And, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah is a very sad story, of course. You know, you never want to hear of death and destruction like that. But sometimes, you know, God God has a reason for everything he does. Yeah. Um, and it just makes me wonder how bad was Sodom and Gomorrah that it was destroyed like that? Because this world's bad right now. It and, is. And he's not come back yet. The Lord's coming soon. Let's be honest. It, it, everything points towards it. But with everything going on now, I just wonder how bad it really was back then. And even Lot's wife, I mean... She, she just turned around. Turned away. I've she, always questioned what was in there that she 
Would she? she what was she leaving behind that was so worth? I mean, and, and why would she turn around, especially with all the wickedness that was going on? They they knew mm-hmm. her, you know, uh, Lot and his wife and his daughters. They knew how wicked that city was. What yeah. was in there that made her turn around? And and I'm that just a question that will probably never get answered on the earth. You know, but yeah. I couldn't imagine. You know what would be worth turning around because they knew. I mean, she was told it's not like. Oh, she turned around. She wasn't told. They were back. warned. Don't look back. Mm-hmm. So that's a... And if you want to bring it into today's terms, when you get saved, don't look back. Yeah. Because there's nothing worth looking back for. Well, um, even if you look up today, I mean, she's still there as far as... Yeah, the salt. The salt. Which you blows know. my mind. Yeah. And, 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 you know, this article proves the Bible, of course. It proves that one story, but for... Years and years and years, they have tried to use science to discredit the Bible in every way, mm-hmm. because wickedness and the devil hates the Bible. Yeah. But there, you can't find one solid piece of evidence from science to discredit the Bible. No, no, no. <laughs> I don't know what you done there, <laughs> but uh, yeah, scientists for years have tried to disprove it. Bill Nye, the science guy, tried his best to debate phony. Ken Ham. I love that debate. I love that debate. It's great. It's fantastic. That debate is fantastic. I don't think I've seen that one. Oh, you need to try to find it. It's It's long, but it's it's good. It's not YouTube. Okay. Now, no promotion here. Yeah, don't go to that YouTube channel. So, I kind of want to jump back here uh, because there's something else that stood out uh, with this article. And uh, I'm going to be reading here from Genesis 19 uh, and 22, in verse 22. And this is talking about, uh, you know, this is obviously from the Bible, talking about Sodom and Gomorrah. And this specifically is when Lot escapes. Mm-hmm. And this is something that when I was reading this article, even though he does not mention, the author does not mention the name Lot or Lot's wife or Abraham or, or anything like that. Mm-hmm. This is what really stood out to me, especially when he was describing the the destruction, the you know the fire and all that. It says, and I'm, I'm uh, kind of skipping the, most of the chapter here uh, to get this. Like I said, for the sake of time, King James version. Now <coughs> uh, this is King James version. Uh, <laughs> but in verse twenty two, it starts out says, uh, "This is the angels talking." Um, he said, Hastily escape thither, for I cannot do anything till thou be come hither. Therefore the name of the city was called uh, Zoar. The sun was risen up on, upon the earth when Lot entered into Zoar. Then the Lord rained down upon the Lord rained upon Sodom and Gomorrah, brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the city that which and that which grew upon the ground. But his wife looked back from behind him and she became a pillar of salt. Yeah. So just those short uh just those short verses, uh, She looked back. She looked back, but also the Bible clearly describes the fire and the brimstone coming from heaven. Coming from heaven. And that was very similar to what the author of that article was writing. Yeah. But something but this is what really stuck out uh, stuck out to me. Um he described in this article that it was more deadly than a thousand bombs, uh, nuclear, or atomic bombs that were dropped on Hiroshima. 
And if you have ever done any kind of, uh, I love military history, um, American history, military history. It's one of my favorite things to, to read and study on. And something very fascinating is the atomic bombs that were dropped, especially on Hiroshima. Uh, that bomb was so powerful and immediately hundreds of thousands of, or, you know, I think it, like the, in the immediate, immediately after like, it was like, what was the death of like 80,000, I believe? Yeah. I could be wrong on that. But uh, that total destruction, and it said that it was more deadly or more powerful than a thousand Hiroshima atomic bombs. Wow. When the, uh, the radiation, the nuclear fallout from that, you know, it just the total, I mean, the, uh, just one atomic bomb is, is very destructive, and the likelihood of you surviving is very, very slim, especially yeah. if you're near it. Right. The fact that this that if the author was correct and this was a thousand times deadlier than that or more powerful, how did Lot escape? Yeah. The only thing that I could think of is God had to literally have His hands around him, protecting him from that devastation. Yeah. Right. And what stood out to me is, you know, we believe that the world is going to be destroyed again, mm-hmm. and you know. It will, you know, it will not be destroyed by water as it was in the days of, uh, in the days of Noah, but it will be destroyed by fire. Yep. So in my mind, I couldn't help but think that maybe this, when I was reading this article and you know, and reading about Sodom and Gomorrah, that maybe that this was a small example of how the earth was going to be destroyed. Yeah. And how are you know, and, and when the earth is destroyed again, sin and wickedness, it'll be gone. You know, it'll be cast, at that point. It'll be cast into the lake of fire, and I believe that we will literally be in. We will we'll be in the presence of God yeah. at that point. Mm-hmm. So that destruction is not going to affect us anyway. We're not going to see it, just like they weren't supposed to see that destruction. Exactly. That was kind of what I was trying to get to. Yeah. I, so I was like, sorry to cut you. Oh, but that was. I mean, you said it perfectly. It uh, hit me. The fact that you got that. Well, I, was, I was trying to say it was like, okay, I've got it to the point. Yeah. I, I got it across like you I wanted to. Yeah. So I was just kind of thinking. I just I was like, man, that's pretty cool. <laughs> that is just yeah. awesome. Well, in, in the stories recorded, in the way they recorded that article, it sort of the article sort of disproves itself of it being a story passed down. Yeah. For it because it said destroy the cities and you know that in there around it. Therefore, you know Abraham and and Lot and then were the only ones really around that survived. Yeah. So how would it be passed down? from an outsider looking in sort is how I took it from the article, right. you know, passed down generation to generation that, that inspired the biblical story whenever there was no survivors but the family. Right. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, and, and another thing that I love about this story, well, that I take from the story and I love the sense of this is that God warned those that were right there and told them to warn others, try to draw the intent, you know, of he, tried to, he, he warned the righteous. Yeah. And he gave everybody an opportunity. If I can, if you find ten, I'll spare everybody. Yeah. It started from it started at fifty and went down to ten. Yeah, Noah in the ark. What did Noah do while he was building the ark? He warned. Yeah. He reached out. So God right before, gave but, a chance. But whenever God's done giving chances, it's done. Right. Sodom and Gomorrah was burned to the ground. The world was flooded. God shut the door. Noah didn't shut the door on the ark. God shut the door, or let's not it be open. Yeah. But that whole time while Noah's building the ark, working on the ark, the family's working on it, he's not just working on it, he's reaching out. Mm-hmm. He's warning, 
warning, warning, getting laughed at, getting laughed at, getting laughed at. And I envisioned Sodom and Gomorrah lot going out, and Abraham going out and getting laughed at. Well, it said, that. it said that he tried to warn his, his sons or his daughters and his sons-in-law and, and his family, and they wouldn't. You know, take heed to the warning. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of a, that was a, a big paraphrase, but yep. I mean that's basically what happened. He he went and he tried to warn them, and they just kind of. I can just imagine they just like brushing him off like you're crazy. You know, you're crazy. You're yeah, crazy. That's dad. You know, dad's always been this way. I've said that about my mom before. I hope she'll listen to this podcast, but. My mom will be like going on about something. My mom's crazy, you know, crazy, crazy, crazy. And then it'll happen. Maybe she doesn't listen. She was right. <laughs> but, you know, I'd be like, that's just mom being mom. Yeah. And, I, and it's just little things, but I envision them doing that whenever they was going around. Mm-hmm. That's dad being dad. You know, dad, he's always been different. Yeah. Um, and if we had a title for the day's podcast, I sort of think it'd seem fit to be What Happens When You Don't Heed the Warning. Yeah. Um, because. I bet something to do that sticks out before every time. Before destruction, there comes a, there's a warning. It, the Bible says God, and I'm paraphrasing. Please don't try to think I'm quoting this, but God will warn everybody once. If you reach the age of accountability, God will attempt to reach out in some way, some shape, some form. And it's like the missionary. I don't mean to take up much time. A missionary went to a place that no missionary had ever been before, and he was over trying to reach out. And he he got there, and every morning he noticed they got down on their knees and, and prayed. And he asked one of them that spoke the language he spoke, said, what do you guys do every morning, you know? Nobody's ever been here but your land. And they say, we pray every morning and every night to the God behind the sun. So that little village that nobody's ever reached out to knew there was something greater and something bigger. Why? Because if you reach that age of accountability, God's going to attempt to draw you in somehow to save your life. Yeah. And everywhere in the Bible, you can't find one story in the Bible. The thieves on the cross, right before they die, they got the Son of God right there with them. Mm-hmm. They had that opportunity to save themselves, to be saved before destruction. Yeah. I mean, absolutely outstanding opportunity. The best offer in the world, so to say. And Jesus Christ. Yeah, Jesus Christ on the cross, in between them. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, the, and that's what amazes me about God's grace. Jesus is in pain. You know he is. Yeah. Being spat on, beat, whipped. Some say that he was beaten so bad you could see his internal organs. Yeah. And and you never, and this is just me, I mean, I'm sure they beat the thieves, but they took it out on Jesus to make a point. Yeah. So then thieves sat there and watched him go through that, and I guarantee you they weren't near the shape he was. No. But he still, through all that, reached out. And one got saved. Mm-hmm. You know, what about that? So, uh, you know, uh, there's always a warning... Um, we've had our warnings. This whole world's had warnings. Um, we've had Christians mocked, ridiculed, told they're not right, told they're out of touch, told that they're extreme. Mm-hmm. Um, it's We're sad. You see it in the media. You see it in the media, and I'm and don't take me the wrong way. I believe all lives matter, but you have Black Lives Matter protests, burning down cities, this and that, and it's, no, they deserve to be able to do that, but you stand on the corner in Kentucky, you know you can't preach verbally? Wow. Do you know that, Kentucky? I didn't. You you know why they have them big signs and the handout stuff? Because you're not allowed to verbally preach in Kentucky, they can take you to jail. Huh. I didn't know, I didn't know that. Whenever we outreached in, in, in Danville, Kentucky, you can't verbally be screaming, you know, saying, or carrying on a microphone or nothing like that. That was what we was told by the police. You can have a sign with whatever you want to say on it, but you can't preach. Well, 
but you can burn down cities. No <laughs> They got these guys on video burning down cities. But the White House, quote unquote, air quotes raid, or where there was one guy literally sat in a chair. You could just watch the whole video and didn't do nothing. They tracked him down and arrested him. But that's just my little tidbit of it. But yeah, whether we've been warned, then you know, the world's been warned. Mm-hmm. It's very sad. Uh, Sodom and Gomorrah was warned. The Ark, the people around the Ark are warned. Uh, I'm trying to think of some others. I'm drawing a blank right now. I'm sort of tired. <laughs> <laughs> it goes to show those that are not saved need to get ready. You never know. Never know. Going down the road, you don't know that person next to you was up all night about to fall asleep and hit your car. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't know that this is going to happen, that's going to happen. And I'm not I'm not a preacher that tries to preach by fear. Yeah. I'm a preacher that preaches by reality and possibilities. And there's always a possibility that you don't wake up in the morning. Yeah. There's a, uh, it's, it's, I tell you, I had a, I had a, my wife's family, I had a family member that they didn't even know he had cancer. And they found out three days before he dies in three days. You know, you never know. And and, and I believe in, in deathbed uh, salvation. Really, I do. But not everybody's that blessed. Right. You know, not everybody is going to have the opportunity to, to, and it sounds awful, but to lay on a deathbed for several days and, or weeks and have a chance to repent. There's times where in the twinkle of an eye, gone. Yeah. Uh, and this has been a more serious one of our pod- podcasts, and we don't mean to sound doom and gloom. If anything, we're happy. Yeah. Because <laughs> we know we know that there's a, a risen Savior. We yeah. know that there's a, a place far greater than any any place on this earth. Right. Uh, we have a home in heaven waiting upon us. Yep. And we know every every mile, every long mile, every tear cried, every prayer prayed, and every meal fasted will be worth it. Mm-hmm. One day, and I'm very thankful for that. Uh, Sodom and Gomorrah was a sad city, but the righteous made it. And that's the no, hope we Jacob. have for today. Yep. Anything else to add, Brother Jacob? Well, that's pretty much it for me. Well, until next episode, y'all be able to get a hold of this and grab a hold of it and run with it. Yeah, I hope that's something that helps you and encourage you and. and, and you know, yeah. Help you along the way. We 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 enjoy it, and we hope somebody gets helped. Absolutely. So. Well, guys, anything else? That's it. That's it for me. True men and faith signing out. See you next time. Take care and God bless.